it was just incredible to be in the same room with the president. I was so nervous. I don't think I made eye contact with him <laughs> because I was so nervous. If you're a new teacher interested in hearing about the latest tips and tricks to inspire you in the classroom, you've come to the right place. The New Teacher Podcast features interviews with award-winning classroom teachers, the latest authors, and educational leaders recognized for their proven teaching techniques and strategies. Hear the stories of their success and failure. To listen to past episodes, view show notes, or to contact us, please visit our website at newteacher.org. Now here's your host, Anthony Arno. Hello and welcome to the New Teacher Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Arno, and I'm so glad you can join us here today. This is our fourth episode, and today we have Sarah Reed, the 2015 Kentucky Teacher of the Year. Sarah teaches third grade and is featured in the current issue of Instructor Magazine, which has been renamed Teacher Magazine. If you're not yet on our mailing list, I invite you to join us at newteacher.org. It's quick and easy and the best way to learn all about the latest releases at the New Teacher Podcast. Before we get to today's interview with Sarah, I would like to announce the winner of our signed copy of Julia Thompson's book, The First Year Teacher's Survival Guide. Julia was my very first guest on the New Teacher Podcast, and if you have not yet heard that show, I invite you to listen to my talk with her at either iTunes or at newteacher.org. Our winner is Julia Harth, who just graduated from the College of New Jersey and teaches middle school technology. After listening to the first episode of The New Teacher Podcast, Julia's biggest takeaway from the show is hearing Julia Thompson's quote, Take your successes home, but leave your failures at school. Julia writes that as a new teacher, that is something she is still learning to do. However, it is important to find a work-life balance. Julia ended her message to the New Teacher Podcast by saying that, hopefully, I will have many successes to take home as I continue my teaching career. Julia, thank you for getting in touch with us here at the New Teacher Podcast, and I would like to wish you the best of luck in your teaching career. We will be sending out a signed copy of Julia Thompson's book, The First Year Teacher's Survival Guide. If you would like to learn how I can read your iTunes rating and review on a future show, go to iTunes and simply leave us a rating and review. Or you can visit our website at newteacher.org and leave us a recorded message. I hope to hear from you soon. And now, here's my talk with Sarah Reed. My guest today is Sarah Reed the 2015 Kentucky Teacher of the Year. Her parents were teachers, and initially she thought that becoming a teacher was just too much work. Today, we'll learn what caused her to eventually change her mind. Sarah teaches third grade at Field Elementary School in Louisville, Kentucky. Sarah, welcome to the program. Oh, welcome, everyone. Tell us the personal story about a teacher that might have inspired you as a student, and what do you remember most about them? Um, for two years, I had the most wonderful Spanish teacher, and her name was Senora Duffner. Um, what I remember about her is that she made Spanish class very fun, 
and helped us really learn how to do conversational Spanish. Some of the great things that she did with us, we had to read Don Quixote in Spanish, wow. translate it, interpret it, all the symbolism and the metaphorical language, and talk about its meaning. Then we watched the movie. We had to create skits. We had to create commercials in Spanish. That was a lot of fun. And then did she in know scene, how much of an influence that she had on your life? I think she did because we all talk about her. I mean, she was just so much fun. And I had her for three years. Um, and then my senior year, she took us to Spain. Wow. And that was a two-week learning opportunity. And um, we, did some, we did some wild things, you know, as seniors on a class trip. You do wild things. And she was just like, I don't care what you do. I just want you back on the bus alive. That's funny. Take us back to when you decided you would want to become a teacher. What was that moment like for you? Well, you know, I come from a long line of teachers, and I've always kind of had teaching in me. Um, I just chose to be something else when I grew up. The problem was that I wasn't really happy in any of those positions, and I couldn't really settle down. Um, so teaching just really settled me down. I was a preschool teacher for five years. I went from a um, high-paying position as a paralegal, and then I went down to making $5.35 an hour. Wow. Um, I, could, I couldn't drive my car anymore. I had to take a bicycle, and I had to take public transportation. But, you know, when I was working with those preschool children, I just loved it. I mean, I made learning as hands-on as I could, and, you know, I was working with really curious minds, four- and five-year-olds, and I worked with them to get them to read and those early writing skills. And um, they were very successful going into elementary and middle and high school. Um, and um, I just I just knew that teaching is what I had to do. So I just kind of did a full circle back to it. And once you. I did it, once I did that, you know, I was just like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. You know, I'm supposed to give money to my classroom. I mean, it's just whole part of the process. And I saw that growing up. Right. My dad was a um, high school uh, wood arts teacher, and then he worked at a community college. And he worked with the kids that kind of struggled in classrooms. So I saw him staying long hours and staying, and those students came to our house when I was a kid, um, and both my parents worked just tirelessly on education. So when I went full circle, you know, it gave me purpose to my life. Right. Now, Sarah, you teach third grade. How would you describe your teaching style in the classroom? Well, I'm pretty much a constructivist. Um, I break things down. I talk in metaphors. I help to see students how how everything is connected um, and teach kids how they have the power to really break down those abstract concepts so that they understand. My colleagues say I teach differently. I teach a lot of at-risk kids. Right now I have, a, I have a good handful, and I get them not only to believe in themselves but to understand that they can learn and understand. Basically, I figure out who they are and what they need have you ever read the book, The Book Whisperer? Yes, I have. Well, I kind of, okay. Well, I kind of feel like I'm the teacher whisperer at times. I figure what kids need, if they're singers or dancers, then I integrate those skills into my content. 
I teach up to the moment, and I'm pretty much late for just about anything, too. <laughs> Students are encouraged to talk and to argue and to create positions using evidence and prove that I'm wrong. I teach them how to lead and to make good decisions. Um, right now, you know, my kids are not really dancers and singers. They're more tactile learners. Right. So I have to really kind of up my game. Right now we're, we're in multiplication and um, we're learning sequential patterns. And last year I could sing the threes. This year this class doesn't get the singing of the threes. <laughs> That's kind of like abstract. So I had to make a column, and, like a long column with little quadrants, and then I cut those up and I put them in a plastic bag, and then they have to put them in order. And that works for them. You know, each each class is different, and so I really, I'm really hands-on. What would you suggest to a new teacher how to motivate students to become active learners in their classroom? Well, I, usually in my classroom, I have about three student teachers going in at once. Everybody wants to be in my room. I'm sure Last they year do. I had, <laughs> and it gets a little like, oh, my gosh, I have so many student teachers in here. But I, I navigate them. Um, what I say to motivate those, um, uh, what I say is that um, make engaging lessons. Um, research like Kagan, he's got some really nice teaching models. Um, get partner work in, um, give students brain breaks, um, get some art in there, integrate the arts and humanities, um, get some play in, and really build those relationships. Right. Um, put structure in your classroom, and that's a little hard at times. I model, even in third grade, I put tape on the floor, and then I label everything. And uh, I do whole brain teaching, like calm response. And um, those teachers are like, oh, my gosh, it works this way. And, and I say, build those routines and build your relationships a good three weeks into the year. Be very careful about jumping in that content too early. Another thing that I work with them to kind of understand is when you're teaching a lesson, um, new teachers a lot of times will want to get through that lesson and they're done. But you got to really see if the kids really understand. So you need to hunt for that misconception. And you're always kind of flushing out that misconception. So when you're building a lesson, you're really trying to see what the kids don't quite understand. So the next day you tweak that lesson or you have an entrance slip going in that deals with that misconception of the earlier day of the day before. So you're constantly spiraling to kind of sift out those misconceptions each time. So you don't have to do so much reteaching. Right. So you heard it. From Sarah Reed, the 2015 Kentucky Teacher of the Year, if you're a new teacher, establish those routines and relationships the first few weeks of school, and then you can jump into content. Sarah, your platform is The Power is in the Classroom. What exactly does that mean? Well, you know, um, <laughs> I don't know if I should say this on the podcast, but I say the classroom is like the class womb, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you just said I, it's it. Like, I know, I know I said it. I said it, and people laugh when I say it. But, you know, we have children, we have students in our classroom for such a long time of the day. 
so you have to you have to really in the power in the classroom is you have the opportunity to kind of change an outcome. You know, you have an opportunity to be a powerful teacher. You have an opportunity um, to get kids to understand how to see this structure of complex text. You have students to help them understand that they have the power to be a writer, the power to be a scientist, the power to think, and the power to engage, and the power to do. And, you know, that's really an honor to be in the classroom, to have that opportunity, to have, you know, when you're lining your kids up, they, instead of going misread, they call you mom by mistake. That's, that's when you really know you have the power. And when kids go home and they talk on the bus and they, they come up to you in the hall and they go, I want to be in your class, Miss Reed. And so that just says, for me at least, that I have a very powerful classroom. I have a very powerful lesson taking place. And those kids are feeling that they can just about do anything. Absolutely. I could not agree more with you. What is one thing that a new teacher can do tomorrow in their classroom to become a more effective as a teacher? I think, um, well, if the teacher does not have a colleague that they regularly meet with to spawn ideas and to share the load of creating lessons and so forth, I would encourage that teacher to initiate that opportunity to come together and break up the task of making sense of curriculum and finding materials. Professional learning communities are a powerful tool in conquering all that a teacher has to do in a week's time. If the teacher had a professional learning community in place, I would then have them think about pacing themselves through the lesson, as I mentioned before, not to rush through it to get it done, but to work through it and use it as a tool to flush out that student misconception and then figure out small group teaching modes to reteach concepts that are causing struggle. And whatever documents they are using or creating to make this happen, to store them in an online online site like Wikispaces so that they can reflect how much they've done and are able to connect the dots as where as they need to go. These right. sites let you figure out how to see the big picture. When you're in your classroom and storing files in a desktop, it's really hard to see how all the parts fit together or to see how much you've done and how much an impact you've had. Right. That's so important if you're a new teacher. Rely on your colleagues and not only your colleagues, but also the other new teachers who might also be in the building, whether or not they're at your grade level. You guys will be able to yeah. share stories and what's happening that only a new teacher can really relate to. How do you establish and maintain communications with the parents of your students from day one? Well, in several ways. I have a newsletter. In the past, I've had a website. Some teacher uh, friends of mine, they pass out a QAR code to parents for their websites. I usually call parents at the beginning of the year introducing myself, and then I send home positive notes of their child. I then I also attend school functions, and when they see me, I engage in that small talk so they get to know me. I give some of my parents my cell phone number, and we text back and forth. I tell parents they can call me anytime. I ask other teachers who've had the child for advice in, in because you're dealing with all types of parents. Um, if a parent is uh, 
a car rider, I'll ask the principal if I can go out to the carpool line and put that child into that car. Um, I basically try to touch every parent. Another thing I do is an open house. And when I have an open house, it's a pretty fun event because I do have a pirate classroom. (laughs) So I put out a plank in the doorway and I mean, and everyone comes to walk the plank. All kinds of parents and families come to walk that plank. They do a little treasure hunt and and they do little activities. And then I take pictures and then I post those pictures up. I try to make it as fun as possible. And, you know, when you make it fun, your parents want to be with you. But there's those difficult conversations, too, that you have to have. And when I do those difficult conversations, I don't really want to go into those alone. I usually use my counselor or I'll use the goal clarity coach. I'll use another teacher and we'll talk about those positive things. And then we'll and then I'll tell the parents that I love their child and I want what's best for them. And um and, you know, my parents pretty much like me. They love me. Good for you. You sound like that. such a dedicated teacher. Looking back on your teaching career, Sarah, what was one of the biggest mistakes that ever took place in your career? And what did you learn from that mistake? Um, biggest mistake. Um, biggest mistake. Well, I've had a lot of mistakes. Um I think the biggest mistake was really my first year of teaching. Um, and I was um, getting observed. <laughs> Uh-oh. And, uh, yeah. And um, I had them go outside, and there was a grid in, and I had put, like, sand. And we were doing uh, grids. We are doing, like, coordinates. And they were to dig to find a bone. And then they were to get that bone and they were to make inferen- inferential, you know, responses to that bone. Well, the biggest mistake is never take your class into the largest space known to man <laughs> and expect them to follow the directions. <laughs> it may all make sense to you, but to the children in an open area, it, it, they still need routine and structure. And I just about died because they were going everywhere. Um, and uh, my principal took me in and he said, I'm not even going to comment about that lesson. <laughs> and thank God, he, he's like, do you want to do that over in the classroom? Redo. And I'm like, yeah, Lucky I, you. <laughs> <laughs> I do. And so, you know, when I'm working with student teachers in the classroom, we do a lot of science outside and I'll work with them. I said, so how are we going to get the kids outside? What are we going to do? What space are we going to be working in? How are we going to set boundaries? How are you going to negotiate the clipboards? You know, all those little tasks so that you can see the whole complete picture. Right. Um, but, you know, having that experience allows me to convey to others, yeah, I did the same thing. It and I had it observed by a principal. <laughs> You're listening to the New Teacher Podcast, and our guest today is Sarah Reed, the 2015 Kentucky Teacher of the Year. Sarah, that definitely had to be one of the highlights of your career. Tell us, what was it like when you met the President of the United States? Take us to that moment. Uh, well, uh, you know, it, I know some other Teachers of the Year remember it, but I was so like, oh my gosh, I'm seeing the prince, uh, President. I, I couldn't even think. Um, 
it was it was it was just incredible to be in the same room with the president. I was so nervous. I don't think I made eye contact with him <laughs> because I was so nervous. And um, in his cabinet, he has uh, the old mayor of Louisville, uh, Jer- Jerry Abramson, works for him. So I felt like I could talk about him as opposed to my classroom because I was like, oh, my gosh, there's like 10 people looking at me with the president and I'm in the Oval Office. Um, And they cut. And then uh, when we went out of the Oval Office, they told us, be careful when you walk so you don't trip. (laughs) And so I was thinking about all the rules that I had to kind of do. And then they said, when you stand on the podium, don't let your knees knock. And I kept on going, I wonder what that is. (laughs) And so I had my phone and I was texting, trying to figure out what the answer was. And uh, meanwhile, it was live and my kids were in the classroom. Everybody in the whole school was watching it. And my goal clarity coach called me and said, get off your phone. (laughs) (laughs) So it was, you know, it's, it was, it, it was uh, it was just unimaginable that I could be in that same room. And um, however you feel about President Obama, he really loves teachers. And he's a very approachable person, and he just makes it so down to earth. I mean, I was so nervous, and he could see that I was nervous, and he just made it so fun. That's great. That's great. Now, as the teacher of the year for Kentucky, what will your responsibilities be like starting this new school year? Well, um, this new school year, I continue to go out and give speeches, and I continue to be an ambassador um, working with several organizations. One organization I'm working with is ESET. And that's Elevating and Celebrating Teachers. It's funded by the Bill Gates, and I'm a committee person on that. Um, Another thing that I'm working with is I'm working with NSTOY. Um, That is the National Teachers of the Year with Catherine Bassett. And um, I'm working on a panel, and we're working with standards and assessments with that. I'm also on a teacher advisory committee with the um, Commissioner of Education for the Kentucky Department of Education. I'm also working on a project. I hope to do a Kentucky Teach to Lead in the state of Kentucky, working with the Kentucky Teaching Leadership Framework for Teachers with Lauren Hill and um, doing a conference later on in June 2016 for teachers. Um, what else am I doing? Um, I it will sounds be going like you're to quite pen- busy, yes. I know, we're, and I'm still in the classroom. I, one of the things that I could have done was, and a lot of teachers of the year do this, they step out of the classroom and they are on sabbatical. I chose to still be in the classroom wow. and still do my teaching uh, teacher of the year duties as well. Good for you. Let's say a new yeah. teacher has a student who failed an assignment or a test or a project. What would you suggest that new teacher do to help that child along? Um, well, one of the things um, one of the things I do is I'd interview them and bring them over um, to figure out what misconception did did that student have. 
And then um, I'd allow them to take the test over. I do that in my own classroom. Um, I might reteach or I might adapt that material. Um, in the past, I've made um, open book tests um, or allow the students to seek a resource taking the test. A lot of times taking a test has to do with emotional being. Um, the brain learns 80% by emotion and 20% by cognitive. And a lot of times when kids get into test-taking situations, they go into a downshift. So they can't even access that cognitive. So a lot of it is getting over the hurdle and having a growth mindset, working with them to have a growth mindset to go into that testing situation. Um, you know, I had this college professor, and he led us um, on one side was the test, and then if we struggled during that test, we could seek a, uh, an outside source or a resource, and he would reteach it, and then he'd tell us, okay, flip the test over and take that test again. And when I did that, I always got a better grade. Wow. Um, and so I, I love that. I was like, so what is learning? You know, Stickens asked us, what is learning? Learning right. is about learning. You know, Marzano says, that when we go over our our students' work and we give them those opportunities, growth mindset opportunities, I mean, they are going to redo it. You get a 26th percentile gain. Um, so I think that you have, I work with kids to really, I'm coaching them to get over their anxiety. I'm coaching them to use their strategies. Um, you know, everybody needs a little wind under the wing to fly, don't absolutely, they? Absolutely, yes. What is one book that you could recommend to our new teacher listeners to help them become a better teacher? Well, I like the Harry Wong and Classroom Management. Um, it took me eight, eight years to really figure out my own classroom management. Um, I know not everybody may agree, but for me personally, personally, I'd have to say that I'm kind of growing in this area and response to intervention, anything that they can get their hands on with response to intervention. Um, I also like the Dave Burgess book, Teaching Like a Pirate. Um, it's for high school. Um, he's a high school teacher, it seems like. Um, but I really like that book because you have to really force yourself to get engagement into your lessons so you can connect with kids. Um, those two books are kind of really what I had by my bedside. Okay. And what is one internet resource that has helped you become a better teacher that you could recommend to our listeners? Um, I really like the teaching channel. Um, I like the teaching channel because it has videos of real teachers going in um, and they have materials that go with those resources. I also like um, TES. Um, TES is, I think it's, teaching educational sources. There's one in the United Kingdom, and I'm actually a member of that one. I love that one. Okay. Before the final bell rings, our last question is, what's the best thing about being a classroom teacher, Sarah? I think having, uh, it's not I think, I know, having an impact on a student's life, being a part of their life and seeing them grow and become who they are empowering them to believe and have faith and take risks and 
to be independent and powerful creators and problem solvers and, of course, arguers. Having fun going out with kids during recess and feeling the sun and the snow and seeing the days pass through the lives of others day to day. And even as frustrating as change is, living through the change, through the cycle of education, and being part of a profession that's going through a revolution of sorts, trying to reduce the testing, and then on its opposite side, trying to increase creativity and innovation, all for the purpose of educating our youth so that they can be who they are or want to be. Wonderful. Okay, our final minute. This is going to be sort of like a lightning round. The first thing that comes to mind, Sarah, are you a morning person or a night owl? I'm a night owl. Mac or PC? All my kids have Macs, but I'm a PC. Sarah, what was your favorite book from your childhood? Andrew's Meadow. And your first paying job? Corn Detasseling in Iowa. One TV show that you try to watch every week. Okay, I'm really, <laughs> I'm really embarrassed to say this. Bachelorette. <laughs> Okay. Sarah, the last music download or CD playing in your car? Oh, I, li- I don't have a CD in my car. I got the oldest car known to man. I listen to NPR and American Stories. I love listening to Train and Country Music. Dwight Yoakam. Love him. One famous person that you would like to invite over for dinner, either living or dead? Uh, Steven Tyler. He's so crazy. I just love him. Um, plus, he's reinvented himself into a country singer, and I'm his face of I'm his Facebook friend. Are we talking about Steven Tyler from Aerosmith? Yes, of course. Okay, okay. (laughs) That's the only one I know. It's an unexpected snow day, Sarah. What are you going to do with that unexpected day off from school? Oh, my gosh. This actually happened this year. (laughs) Kentucky, if there's snow on the ground one inch or two inch, they call the whole day off. Um, Probably working on my computer or having my husband four-wheel me to take me to professional development (laughs) conference. Okay. Before that, I'm probably scrabbling around the house trying to help my child find her mittens and snow pants, the sled, the boots up in the attic so she can go sledding. And the next item on your bucket list, Sarah? Well, I want to be invited to the ESET conference in Seattle and meet Bill Gates and Melinda. Oh, that would be Um, I feel like Alice in... I know. I feel like Alice in Wonderland with that (laughs) because I can't find the door to knock on. You have to be invited, and I haven't been invited to the party. Uh, next, I'd like to go to Peru and go on an educational opportunity. Then I'd like to go to India. I've okay. always wanted to see the Taj Mahal. And there's our final bell. Sarah, how can our listeners get in touch with you? Um, you know what? You can email me. Um, my email is Sarah, with an H, S-A-R-A-H dot read, R-E-E-D, at Jefferson dot K-Y schools dot U-S. And I also have a Twitter handle. It's field, capital F-I-E-L-D, third, that's the letter, uh, that's the number three, R-D, and a capital G. And we'll be sure to put that on our show notes page. You've been listening to the New Teacher Podcast, and our guest today was Sarah Reed, the 2015 Kentucky Teacher of the Year. Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk with us today. Anthony, thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you again to Sarah for taking the time to talk with me on the New Teacher Podcast. I want to say I'm especially appreciative to Sarah, who was my very first recorded interview. My guest next week is Anna Baldwin, 2014 Montana Teacher of the Year. Anna talks about what it's like teaching on an Indian reservation in addition to a recent TED Talk 
that she gave. Well, that's our fourth show, and thank you for listening. This is the New Teacher Podcast, and I'm your host, Anthony Arno. Be well.